Welcome to Epiphany Fellowships Podcast. My name is Dr. Eric Mason, lead pastor and founder of Epiphany Fellowship in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Thank you so much for tuning into our podcast. Our desire is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in every week to check out new messages. God bless you and take care. Hallelujah. Woo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My God, my God. Victory is in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I got preaching to do, so we got to stop. Because what we have to talk about is extremely important. And um, don't lose the spirit of worship um, because as we'll find out during this series, it's one of your tools. Now some of you may not know that yet, but you get in something hard enough for your finances can't pay you out of. <laughs> um, your body can't eat good enough to expel and no favor you can call in from a human can get you in the front door of but worship can do things in the spirit this is not some mystical Christianity it's biblical Christianity um, and we'll find out and um I want to give everything away, but let's, let's stand to our feet. We got a few verses to work through. I got 20 pages trying to figure out what to teach today. So just pray for me. We got a lot of ground to cover. Ephesians 6, 10 through 13. Ephesians 6, 10 through 13. One, two, three, read. Amen. Now I want you to remember the spirit of worship as we dig into this. Are y'all going to help me preach today? Yes. All right. Um, the title of our message today is, What is Spiritual Warfare? What is Spiritual Warfare? Let's go, y'all. Father, this ground that we're about to cover comes with a lot. The reality is present, but it will show itself more real over the next few months. God, teach your people how to put on their war clothes. 
Teach us the seriousness of the Christian life. Teach us what's on the line. Teach us to see with the eyes that you've purchased on the cross. And God, help our hearts to be stout in the spirit and help the true charismata to show itself. You say, um, desire earnestly prophecy. Um, that's a command. Um, it's a lot of things that we need to be tooled with that the church so many times neglects or perverts. So God, help us today. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh God, our strength and our redeemer in whom we trust. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So we start our spiritual warfare series. Um, I sense sort of a readiness from you guys for it, and hopefully as we go through it, you use it, not just hear it. Amen, somebody. Somebody say use it. Um, over the last week, I have been doing a green smoothie cleanse. It's been fun. And um, making it a part of my life, lost some weight in it, and still going to make it a part of my lifestyle of fresh vegetables and, um, and, and, and fresh fruits and raw, raw stuff. Not processed and canned, but just, just straight off the garden. It's been great. Um, however, as great as it's been, I thought I was just going to experience its benefits. I didn't know what came with a green smoothie cleanse. I mean, I had headaches, and I'm trying to take turmeric for the headache instead of, you know, you know, acetaphetamine or ibuprofen. Some of y'all understand what I mean. I'm, and, 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 but the headaches wouldn't go away, and then all of a sudden, I look in the mirror, and I'm looking like my teen years again. <laughs> Pimples are coming on my face. And I'm like, I, I go, and I'm like, I got to Google something. Google got to have something for me. <laughs> and I, I looked at Google, and I said, um, side effects of green smoothie. And really, they're not side effects. They're signs. In other words, um, the nutritionist said whenever you take a green smoothie cleanse, as the toxins that you didn't know that were in your body make their way out of your body because you're going through a cleansing, they will show themselves up in very specific ways. And she said, don't be afraid of the things that show its face. It's a sign that the cleansing is working. In spiritual warfare, it's the same way. When you decide as a believer to fight and to begin doing the things in your life that's needed, the Bible says in James, purify your hands, you sinners. When you begin to do the work of applying by faith what Christ has given to you, there are some things that will show up in your life because the enemy is mad that you finally notice that he's there. 
and some things will start popping up. But don't be afraid of what's popping up because whenever the enemy's presence in your life is being disturbed, he tries to show the toxins in such a way to make you tone down the cleansing process. But I want to encourage you as a believer in the spirit of God that you stand firm and you keep walking and you keep pressing and you keep cleansing. And what's funny is in the green smoothie cleanse, they said, if you keep going, once the toxins are gone, the side effects leave. That's the same way it is when it comes to spiritual warfare. Um, if Ephesus is, I'm going to be honest with you, I am a bit, as much quote-unquote theology as I know, this is a learning process for me. Going through and preparing this series is probably very difficult because there's so much to say, but you have to streamline it. But the other part of it is you can say all you want. The, the, the question is, can you fight? Yeah. Okay, let me see if I can make it plain. You, you ever heard of people that they talk a whole bunch of noise? You understand what I'm saying? But then when it's time to throw them hands, they can't do nothing. You know what I'm saying? We don't want to be people that bump our gums. We want to know people that, we want to show the enemy that we got them hands. You understand what I'm saying? And so when we look at this reality, we see a ton of things that I want us to walk through defining spiritual warfare. Let's start there as we get in this text. Spiritual warfare, you can put it up there. The disciple of using supernatural weapons for an unseen fight. Using supernatural weapons for an unseen fight. In addition to that, it's the act of the blood-soaked disciple being woke to the constant resistance of the kingdom of Satan against the kingdom of God in fighting with all, somebody say all, all the supernatural resources provided by God through our union with Christ as we fight from victory to advance God's kingdom. This is very important. Keep it there for those who are taking pictures and things like that of that. I want us to really let this definition, I'm going to bring it up over and over and over again because one is a quick definition, kind of like cliff note definition. The other one is one of the more well-rounded biblical definitions that I've coined to kind of sum up what spiritual warfare is. You trekking with me? So in, 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 in all of this, we're gonna look at a whole bunch of things. When we look at creation, we look at how God originally created things the we'll get back to this one time, but the spirit world and the natural world were one. Yeah. There was no separation between the spirit world and the natural world. Um, but what happened in Genesis 3 is, God, well, before that, God wanted Adam and Eve, when he created Eden, he created Eden as an example of what balance looks like. He wanted them to understand what balance looked like so that as he called them, 
to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, that the earth would reflect Eden. Eden was where God visited Adam and Eve, and God wanted to visit all people globally of all times throughout the earth as it got subdued and filled with glory reflectors. In essence, Adam and Eve were called to be uh, what you will, micro Elohim. We'll talk about that later. But, 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 but what they were supposed to be, uh, what they were supposed to rule, somebody say rule. They were supposed to rule the planet with other little rulers who were supposed to spread across the globe. Shatan or Satan came and he wanted to transfer Adam's ruling power to himself. And so what he did was he wanted that power and the fall happened. And when the fall happened, Eden was closed off. Then later God got Israel and God gave Israel plans for a tabernacle that Hebrew says reflects heaven. Israel was supposed to be a royal priesthood to proclaim the excellencies of Yahweh to the nations in order that the global Eden would now be Jerusalem and that that reality of what God wanted Adam and Eve to do spread where we know they failed. Are y'all tracking with me? Jesus Christ comes and he becomes a walking Eden. He becomes a walking tabernacle of God's presence so that people will know what order looked like, not just in the world, but in the life of a human being. So Jesus came to show us. That's why he came. I, I, I came to show you. That's why he said, show me the father. He said, he said, how long have I been with you? And you say something stupid like that. Show me the father. If you've seen me, you have seen the Father translation. If you've seen me, you've seen Eden. <laughs> and so now the baton has been passed to the church. <laughs> and the church now is supposed to build the kingdom, although there is a kingdom coming where the new Jerusalem will come down from heaven and the world will be ruled by his vice regents. Globally, that Adam and Eve was supposed to do in the beginning, what the first Adam failed in, the second Adam will come, and now he will spread the new Eden throughout the planet. But now what do we do? We're supposed to show Eden now. And so when we look at this idea of spiritual warfare, it brings me to my first point and only point. Spiritual warfare must be understood as a supernatural battle. Spiritual warfare must be understood as a supernatural battle. The Ephesians, and I'll get into this in a minute, were in probably one of the most supernatural sectors of Asia Minor. We'll look back later at Acts chapter 19 and understand what they were into. And I'm going to rattle some of you all's social background, too, because we don't realize how much we're into is connected to some of this stuff. Chapter uh, 6, verse 10 says, finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast 
strength. I like that. Somebody say vast strength. <laughs> it's, this is almost hyper-emphatic. It's almost, you could have just said, be strong in the Lord, and left it there. But he wanted you to know how strong the Lord is. <laughs> in other words, for you to be motivated to be strong in the Lord, you got to know how much strength he got. <laughs> so he, he calls, some translations say, in the power of his might. I think this translation does it justice. The, the vast strength of God. In other words, you don't have to be strong in your own strength. You got a lot to pull on. But I want to focus on the word finally. Somebody say finally. finally. This points a transition where he's been saying something all along and then sums it up. That, that's, that's what that points to. So what in the world has Paul been saying all along? Well, what he's been saying all along is he didn't start talking about spiritual warfare in chapter, chapter 6. He's already been talking about spiritual warfare since the first chapter. Now, the Ephesians knew exactly what Paul was doing because in their worldview, there was a lot of demonic worship, mystery cults, if you will. We'll talk about it in a second. And so what happened is, is Paul loves to poke at the enemy. And so over and over and over again, from chapter 1 to chapter 6, he's poking at the enemy. In verse 20 of chapter 1, he says, he exercised this power in Christ by raising him from the dead and seating him at the right hand in the heavens. Somebody say in the heavens. Far above all rule, or every rule, and authority, power, and dominion in every title given, not only in this age, but also the age to come. When he's talking about that, he's not talking about presidents and monarchs who are in the flesh. He's talking about, oh, I want to get ahead of myself, but it feels so good. I'm going to give you a piece of it. <laughs> when it says Jesus was exalted above all rule, in Acts chapter 1, Around the 10th verse, 9th or 10th verse, Jesus, a cloud descends from heaven, and he backs up on it while he's talking. And the Bible says the cloud began to lift him up. In other words, he began to surf to heaven. And as he was surfing, there were rulers between the three heavens. And literally, Hebrews chapter 1 said he was made a little lower than the angels. Oh, Y'all not hearing me today. But now as he's going up, he's looking in the grill, everybody who thought they had him in his humanity. And he's being exalted, staring this ruler in the face while going up. He's staring this ruler in the face while going up. He's staring this ruler in the face while going up. And that ruler, and then all of a sudden when he comes to heaven, heaven goes ballistic because the eternal son of God who lives in eternal homoousia or homostasis, 100% God, 100% man, dismounts the cloud and the train of his robe began to refill the temple all over again. And he begins to walk over to his throne and his father says my son and everybody in heaven said our king has returned and ever and he goes and he sits down at the right hand of God 
the Father. Woo, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Mm. Help me today, God. I'm talking about for real, not the fake. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place right now. Ephesians 2, 6, it said, this is so that the multifaceted wisdom may now be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities. Every time you preach the gospel to somebody, you're actually preaching to the rulers and authorities that somebody is about to get free from them. Oh, I'm going to get back to it in another message. That's why he says when you're saying the gospel to somebody, it's actually indirect talk. You, know, you ever said, you ever been talking to somebody and you were talking louder than you wanted to in order for people who are around hear everything you was talking and saying to that particular person, but saying this ain't just for them, this for you too. When you preach the gospel, that's what you're saying. You say, I'm talking to them, but devil, I'm also talking to you. Ephesians 3.10, it says, uh, says that is so that, no, 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 Ephesians 2.6, uh, no, 3.10, this is so that the multifaceted wisdom may now be made known through the church of the rulers and authorities. Over and over and over again, it says this. Now you have to understand this whole idea of why he says finally here, because back in Acts chapter 19, <laughs> this is very, very important. Verses 11 through 20. Write it down. The Ephesians hear the gospel for the first time. When they hear the gospel, they are rocked by the gospel. They are so rocked by the gospel that they bring their incantation books that they could have gotten millions of dollars for if they had pooled their resources and gave to the poor. But they bought all of those books. Now you have to understand that all of these books also had to do with Greek secret societies that they were in. And what they began to do is get rid of those books and burn them so that they wouldn't have access to anything that would trump God's power in their life. I'm gonna give you something for free real quick. That's why I backed off of the ritual aspect of fraternal business, because it's demonic. Now, you may act like it isn't, I'm not saying if you came in a certain way, but if you pledged, you can say what you want. If you, went, if you went online and you said the ritualistic expression, whether you're a Delta and it's Minerva, whether you're a Kappa and it's, uh, and it's Apollos, whether it's somebody else and it's Artemis, there are deities attached to each one of those fraternal orders. There are. I know for a fact they are. And you said ritual pledges. That's why it's called pledging. It's not the hazing that's pledging. That, that, only, that really isn't even a big deal. The big deal are the vows you make. And so when we look at this idea of what Paul is saying, he says, he's just like, he like, he like do you know like who you are, believer? And he begins to go through and it says, Paul begins to walk through 
After he says, finally, be strengthened by the Lord. Now, what's interesting is this isn't necessarily something that you do, but it's something that you attach yourself to. When it talks about this idea of being strengthened by the Lord and the might of his power, it's pointing to the reality of back to 518 where it says be filled with the spirit. As you get filled with the spirit, that means the spirit takes control of you. This is all foundational stuff. Please stay with me. Y'all trigger with me? And what happens is, is as the spirit fills you and gets control over you, your eyes begin to open and you begin to not, it, you, 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 it's not just shouting and speaking in tongues. I'm not downing shouting and speaking in tongues because getting filled with the spirit comes through worship. That's why it says admonish one another in Psalms and hearers, spiritual Psalms, making melody in your heart to the Lord. Boom, right? And so what began to happen and what begins to get connected to is we begin to get connected to God's strength through worship. That's why not being a worshiper is not only bad for your life, it's bad for your spiritual health. Because you can, you can go and you can put something over your bed with a little circle and all of that, and you can, you can throw salt over your shoulder. You can cut a chicken foot and leave it on the front door. <laughs> Some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about. But listen, if you worship, you put on a, a good song, and you begin to lift up the Lord, and you begin to fill your mind with truth, what'll begin to happen is that's a form of resistance. <laughs> and when you, when you get, when you, when you, when you begin, that's how you get in the spirit, literally. How you get in the spirit. And, and, and what begins to happen as you begin to get in the spirit, you are now open to God's strength. Because now the strength automatically comes because you've emptied yourself out because worship is the mechanism by which you tell yourself you're not the most important thing in your life. <laughs> and so what happens, this is all in Ephesians, and what because it's, it's so connected, I can't even get through it all. And it automatically pours strength into you. But look at verse 11. Verse 11 is crazy. Lord, have mercy. Put on the full armor of God so that you may stand against the schemes of the devil. This is amazing. What's interesting is Paul says put on the full armor. That means you can't put on one piece and think you're good. Because just because you put on one piece doesn't mean you can't get hit in another place in your life. This battle demands you put on everything. And we're, we're going to get to that later, the full armor. I'm going to spend a week on each piece of the armor. One, 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 one Sunday on each piece. But, but he's letting them know that for this battle that's coming against you, you can't afford to not utilize and maximize the equipment that Christ gave you through his death and through his resurrection. But when he says this, he says so that you may able to stand. It can be translated withstand. It assumes you're going to get hit. It just assumes it. The text assumes that somebody's after you with bad intentions. And so he's basically saying, though, that if you put on your armor, 
if you just have it on, it's enough to stop what's already coming after you, not from not hitting you, but coming at you and affecting you. We'll see that later when we go through this. But then he says that you may be able to stand against the schemes. <laughs> schemes is interesting. The word schemes can be translated method. Now, the idea of it is a way of doing something deceptive in a systematic way in someone's life. <laughs> so you got to understand your enemy is a master psychologist, sociologist, and anthropologist. As Al Pacino said, I'm a fan of man. Anyway. <laughs> he has stationed legions across the planet, particularly in the life of believers, to learn you. To learn what you're like. What's your type? <laughs> he, he likes to keep a studied list of your kryptonite. And no matter how spiritually mature you get, he doesn't give up on you. God doesn't give up on you for good. The enemy doesn't give up on you for evil. You have to remember that his intentions are evil for you. And so he's scheming against you. But the question, though, is what are, the, what are some of the main schemes of the devil? Number one, isolation. Isolation, as it is a big one, sis. It's a massive one. Because isolation is a problem because Proverbs 18.1 said, he or she who isolates himself seeks his own desire and breaks out against all sound counsel. The Bible says the devil goes about, 1 Peter 5, the earth like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. What does that go to? It assumes that we're a flock of sheep. And sheep are better together than alone. And one of the things that in the body that a lot of people don't realize is how important biblical community is. You're a beast. We praise God for your scripture memory and your prayer life and your intercessory prayer line and your Facebook lives that you do. But that ain't community. And you can do all them things and get your little behind tore up because alone you're no match for the enemy. Now, I know you've been in the church for a long time. I know you came out of, out of your mom's belly speaking in tongues and prophesying and laying hands. You healed the doctor coming out the mom's womb. Amen. But let me tell you something. You need others. Now, because what tends to happen is isolation. If you don't have anybody that you're confessing your sin to regularly, then you will hide your sin and your sin quotient will increase which increases the threshold by which the enemy can come and do more in your life. And the more you try to handle it on your own, the worse it gets. Yeah, <laughs> you know I'm telling the truth. Yeah. 
But the Bible says, confess your sins one to another so that what? You may be healed. When you snitch on yourself, that's spiritual warfare. Did you know that? When you tell on yourself, you're asking for help. When you ask for help, somebody else that's in a different spiritual state can throw you a lifeline and be used. What is that? Galatians chapter 6, verses 2, 1 and 2. If anyone finds someone else caught in a trespass, restore them with the spirit of gentleness. That's how we bear one another's burdens. It's a mechanism to bring one another in. The enemy loves in your life to see you isolated. The enemy loves in your life for you to be a church hopper and thinking, ain't no good church and I can do church by myself. The enemy loves for you to be on live stream only. The enemy loves for you to be on podcast only. He'll let you have that. But I believe one of the greatest forms of spiritual warfare is insubordinate believers who think they're better than the body of Christ. Isolation. Uh, anyway, I got to go to something else. Number two, substandard passions. First John 2:15. What the enemy loves to use is the world, the flesh, and the devil. He loves to use those three things in your life to make you think that God has substandard passions and outlets for your passions, so he tries to act like what he has offering to you is better than what God has given you. But he doesn't realize, that, and we don't realize, that God is the manufacturer of our passions. And since God is the manufacturer of our passions, he has better because he has the proper outlet and he doesn't have to use a third-party service for us to hook up to our passions. Let me see if I can make it plain. I got this Samsung TV. And you got all these things. That, you need smart TVs. It's interesting. But, and I love Samsung TVs, but I like my iPhone. But the manufacturer did not make the iPhone to be able to work with the Samsung TV. Frustrating. So you have to do all different types of things that weren't naturally created for connection. But if you get a Samsung phone, the TV says, I smell a Samsung in the atmosphere. And it automatically, they just start talking to each other. And then everything just, it automatically hooks up and then you, wow, wow, you're able to use it. That's what your spiritual life is like. When you're out there trying to get with something you ain't got no business getting with, you got to go through all of this different stuff. You got to hide from this person. You got to do all of this. But when you do things God's way, everything just hooks up automatically without any conviction, without any frustration, and without any mess. Uh, I got so many others, but I got to move. And I got two minutes. Help me, Lord. Make you focus on what you can see. <laughs> Make the, he loves. He loves. So many passages on this. Faith, come, uh, uh, faith comes out hearing, hearing by the word of God. Faith is not in what you can see, but what you can't see. That's why it's the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not. Your spiritual life was built to not see stuff that God promises 
and to trust that he's able to do it, even though there is nothing in your life that's a sign that it's available. I clap for myself. Listen, listen. Your life was not made for everything that God wants to do in your life be put in front of your face clearly. It was made to nurture you to trust God instead of yourself. <laughs> it was made that way. So your life is going to be a constant wrestle of a lack of self-sufficiency. Because a lack of self-sufficiency doesn't mean a lack of self-worth. It's God's mechanism to push you to the throne. I'll give you an example. When your kids become teenagers, you can't control them like you used to. You have to have influence, not control. You, 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 and you have to trust the deposit. You and your life, uh, this, this whole idea of faith and all of this connects to warfare because the enemy always uses God's, your view of God's timeline as a way to give you a shortcut to what God is already going to give you, but he gives you a bootleg version that you and I are too ignorant to understand is substandard and not as good as to what God is ultimately going to give you. I got to move. Next one, five. Cause Christians to be irreconcilable. Second <laughs> Corinthians 2.11 says, it's talking about reconciliation, and then it talks about, for we are not ignorant of the enemy's devices. Why does it say that there? Because when Christians are irreconcilable, it makes way for the enemy to get in the midst of the lack of reconciliation and make beef between believers. See, if you like me, you got the gift of cutoff. Okay, ain't nobody going to talk back. <laughs> the gift, let me, for y'all don't know what the gift of cutoff is. You burn me. Bleep. Words that are unworthy to be expressed. You know how we got the gift. We like, holla. I don't want to see you. I don't want to talk to you. I'm blocking you on every form of social media. And, and their name is not to be mentioned in your house. <laughs> now, the Bible actually allows you to do that if you've done all you can to be at peace. <laughs> the Bible says if you've done all that you can to be at peace. Hmm. I'm at verse 11. Um, wow. Wow. All right, we'll go to verse 12. Mm. Four, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Stop. Do you understand that? Do you and I understand that? In your relationships, you're not fighting that person. On your job, 
your boss says it's your problem. Amen. <laughs> if you're a boss, your employees aren't your problem. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. You can't bring pea shooters to a mortar and bomb fight. You cannot bring water guns to a street sweeper battle. All my hood rats understand what I'm saying. <laughs> you, 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 you have to know that the weapons of your warfare are not carnal. So cursing them out never works, does it? Gossiping about them over some bonbons and some hockey dots never works, does it? Your endorphins may run high and your blood sugar may, but it doesn't change anything but your health. But against rulers, authorities, cosmic powers of darkness against evil forces in the heavenlies. I'm going to just stop. I'm going to see if I can do this in the next gathering. Um, I want us to really get ready as we go through this series. I'm going to return to this next week. But I really want us to get ready because whenever spiritual warfare series are preached, spiritual warfare is going to break out in your life. Some of you are going to experience a feeling of darkness in your homes. Some of you are going to, things that were working and moving forward, are just going to go straight left. The issue is you ain't even got to be afraid of it because you already know what's coming. Don't let the bottom drop out of you. Because <laughs> there's some stuff, some of you have already, it's already started for you. And some of us have some things going on that we don't know is spiritual warfare, but we're trying to fight it with a second and third job. We're trying to fight it with this, this, that. I believe God is going to teach you how to work spiritually in warfare, and he is going to show you how he can restitch and create victory in every single area of your life. The, the goodness of Jesus Christ, I'm done. The, the, the cross and the resurrection were not just for your justification. Two principles and I'm done. We talked about substitutionary atonement. And we, talked about penal substitu uh, we talked about Christus Victor. Christ our victory. When Jesus came on the scene, <laughs> he was casting out demons. Now, when John was in prison... John said, go to him and see if we look for another. Because I don't know if this is the right dude. Because how am I in prison if he the Messiah? And Jesus said, like, go back and tell my cousin. Tell him. Tell Kozo. He said, the blind receive their sight. Demons are cast out and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Those were signs that the kingdom had come. 
that the enemy no longer had place. As we talk about this move we're going through, it's going to be spiritual warfare, and it already has. Because the enemy does not want us to move. The enemy is going to fight on every front to stop us from moving further on mission. But listen, we got a God that's mighty in the heavens and that's ever, ever able to tear down those forces. I'm done. Wow. Not even a third of the way through. But anyway, next week, Father, thank you for tuning in to today's message. I hope that it was a blessing to you and it was aiding in your life to help you to show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. If this message has been a blessing to you, we want you to consider partnering with us in ministry so that we can maximize what God has called us to do locally, nationally, and internationally. You can go to epiphanyfellowship.org, go under give, and consider donating. Thank you. Take care. See you next week.